Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Timothy Lin, and this is Egoless Leadership Training. I focus on helping frontline and middle managers build better relationships with their team members and hope to bring more meaning and authenticity into the workplace. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited today, actually, to be talking about the ego and fear. So uh, this is really interesting because as someone who led new business pitches and had to corral different members of a pitch cast, I inevitably came across a lot of fear. And actually, what I came across was unsaid fear. Uh, And generally, a pitch cast would comprise different levels of the organization. So sometimes it would include a CEO to talk broadly about our value proposition and more junior level specialists to talk specifically about certain recommendations. So if you can just imagine being a 25 or 30 year old director uh, needing to perform in a pitch where $5 million of revenues at stake, uh, all while you know most of the pitch cast as well as the clients attendees were far more senior. Um, But what I was seeing and I think what we still are facing is that culturally, we hardly ever address fear in the room. And I think this absolutely leads to poor performance with people either giving into their fear or trying to overcompensate by denying that they have any fear at all. So the ego dynamic here is the essential lack of both internal or external support that a person feels. And, um, you know, when a, when a person historically has not experienced an organic, tangible sense of support in their environment, their natural state will end up feeling like a deficient kind of inner space, uh, deficient of support, deficient of safety, deficient of security and help. Um, My own experience of this feels like being tossed in the wilderness and expected to survive without the necessary tools or training. Um, So for me, there's a kind of desperate helplessness to it. Um, And it's a sensation that most of us would rather avoid because it's so uncomfortable. And that's actually what most of us try to do. Um, So ultimately, the ego defends and avoids this kind of experience um, one of two ways. Um, So ego reaction number one, this sense of deficiency and lack of support ultimately will come across as a lack of confidence because we give in to the fear. So we do this by either diminishing authority or our own expertise, um, or we simply defer that expertise to other people. And why is that? Uh, If you think about it, it makes sense because to someone who's experiencing an almost debilitating debilitating sense of fear, they're going to put their focus on finding security. And deferring to authority is a tried and true strategy for this type of response. And so for the ego that chooses this type of strategy, it will also tend toward indecision. And I will tell you from firsthand experience that in a pitch environment, we all know that indecision is a presentation killer or even in a client meeting or a QBR. Um, So 
the ego might also get caught into projecting onto the client that their questions are hostile and aggressive, or they will have hostile and aggressive questions even when they're not. Because to this particular ego perspective, the world and quote unquote others are a dangerous place and a dangerous thing. So remember that the root of the inner experience of this kind of fear is that one doesn't have what it takes to survive. And we will end up being suspicious of the environment and those in it. Um, we will suspect that they will in some way try to humiliate, criticize, or put us down somehow. And none of this is rational, obviously, and all of this is unconscious. So the ego in this state can't really trust that relaxation is appropriate at all in any given situation. Um, and it's as if all of the alerts in our system are running uh, without any switch to disarm them. Okay, so ego reaction number two, the alternate way to respond is for the ego to actually deny that there's any fear at all. And this ultimately leads to an overcompensation or a kind of bravado. So if you're attuned to someone who's actually caught in this ego response, you can sense that their attitude or behavior isn't actually appropriate for the situation. Uh, they may seem overenthusiastic somehow, or in some cases, even aggressively trying to uh, amp themselves up to try to cover up the feeling of fear. And the fallout here in the work setting and in meetings and in presentations is a lack of attunement with teammates and or clients um, because the ego has effectively taken our sensitivity offline, right? To be attuned, we actually need to be sensitive to where our team members and our clients are. But the ego in this case has desensitized us to the experience of fear Okay, good strategy, I guess, right? Um, but it's also, as a result, desensitized us to other feelings uh, and other kind of attunement. So ego behavior here um, can also, in a way, come across as hyper-focused and rigid. As the ego is unconsciously clinging to security, um, which ultimately means that it's unable to follow a flow, a flow of communication, a flow of spontaneity, and allowing that to actually occur because it doesn't inevitably trust that that's safe. So in a pitch or client scenario, you can see this reaction play out when someone talks too long or isn't picking up on the clues, cues that the client's already checked out, um, or someone might overpromise as a way to appear confident and hide the fact that there is actually underlying fear. Uh, so again, the unconscious focus of attention is on security and avoidance um, rather than relaxing into the moment and seeing what's most appropriate and trusting that there's a natural sense of support, um, both inner and external support um, in any given moment. So no matter if we are going with reaction one or reaction two, the emphasis is still on trying to secure some kind of safety or security.
Um, and this is really where the importance of psychological safety comes in. So over the years, there's been a lot of talk about psychological safety on teams. This is something that I absolutely focus on with Ecolist um, leadership training. Uh, but it's especially important in this case in supporting those who in particular um, suffer from this kind of fear um, for them to actually have enough space to feel the fear. Um, so by not addressing this and not actively creating a psychologically safe space for people to experience fear, leaders are essentially saying that fear isn't okay somehow. And this is clearly the attitude for a lot of leaders because what matters is performance, not how you're feeling. Um, and we often as a culture leave it up to the individual to deal with their fear. But in actuality, if you look at it, what do you suggest that they do? Uh, they're gonna do either reaction one or reaction two, and ultimately that's gonna lead to poor performance. So the easiest way to create psychological safety here is to simply acknowledge your own fears in the group. Anyone else feeling anxious about this presentation? Or, mm, I have some pre-show jitters. Anyone else? Should we sit and just take a moment to breathe? Uh, or if you're lucky enough not even to be caught up in this dynamic, uh, but caveat, check first if you're actually opting for ego reaction two and denying that there's fear in the first place. Um, you can simply ask if anyone is feeling scared and make that experience okay, as in giving space and creating space for that fear to be there. So as an example, anyone feeling scared about the presentation, about presenting? You know, most people have some kind of fear about public speaking. It's totally fine. It's good that we recognize this so that we can go into this meeting supporting each other and giving each other what we need. So you can just sense how that's different than not saying anything at all and kind of collectively sh mustering up a kind of re a collective reaction number two to go do this presentation or do this pitch or do this QBR, do this annual review or whatever it is. So this depends in some part on the transformation of our leaders. So taking the lead on allowing fear obviously starts with us. And if you are not okay with your own fear, then you won't dare to allow others to have that fear either. And so the more that you're able to recognize this dynamic within yourself, the more you're gonna be able to support and optimize your teams to allow fear, then face it, and then transform it. And transformation is totally possible. But inner work here is required, but given how uncomfortable this feeling is, that you know this feeling of insecurity, the lack of support, this desperateness, we often need a coach or a trainer or somebody to help us actually contact these layers of experience because there's actually quite a bit. So first, there is actually bodily tension. We can all probably all relate to this. Um, if you've ever 
done a presentation or been in a meeting where the stakes are high. So we want to, so bodily tension is always the first signal that some kind of fear is present. So becoming more aware of the specific kind of tension that arises from this sense of helplessness is going to be helpful um, to turn us inward and go a little deeper. The second layer is really the inner critic. And if you haven't heard uh, my inner critic podcast or read the, the Substack article on it, I'll leave links below. The inner critic will inevitably try to get you to avoid this experience of fear and helplessness by telling you it's not good, you shouldn't go there. So disarming the inner critic removes this layer of defense from the ego. Um, in other words, fear is terrible. Do not, you just run away from it. Don't even feel it. That will lead us to recognizing the patterns that we take uh, or that we have taken to avoid the underlying fear. Um, so this is the next layer of unraveling the ego structure, seeing how we either become paralyzed with fear, which is reaction number one, or we try to blast through it, which is reaction number two, Seeing these patterns will give us the opportunity to simply be with the fear instead of acting upon these habitual reactions. Next layer in is the actual fear itself. So the raw sensation of fear, the lack of support, the insecurity, the desperation, contacting this next layer of fear, allowing it to be there, this is where it takes a certain degree of support and capacity because it's so uncomfortable and it's so unconscious for us to try to pop out of it. But if we can hang with the fear long enough, if we can hold it, if we can create enough space for it, we can see that this ego dynamics particular core belief is that the world is dangerous and that you need to protect yourself somehow and that inevitably it's not okay somehow. And if we can hang with that, if we can see and experience that core belief, hold the space for it, have compassion and sensitivity for how scary that actually is. If we can actually hang there, we may end up coming into contact with the sense of support that is actually here with us all the time. So this essential support is one that's grounded in the present moment. It's inherent to our beingness. So it's not reliant on any kind of external support. It's as if we're suddenly able to whew, take a breath, relax, trust that support is here that support uh, is in every single moment and that the world and our relationship to it is actually safe um, and so it's a real sense of inner security versus the ego continually trying to find that on the outside so what would this transformation mean for our current culture uh, primarily, it would mean more space for essential support to be part of our teams. So culturally, we still have a high degree of individualism. 
meaning in the arena of anxiety, fear, struggle, pain, companies, when it comes down to it, still tend to prioritize performance and leave it up to individuals to take them care of themselves. It's the predominant culture um, that we have in corporations still. So the following shifts are a possibility if we're able to actually allow and start to embrace and face our fear, our individual fear and our collective fear. So we can shift from not acknowledging fear to people actually experience direct support to allow it, face it, and transform it. We can shift from being isolated and having people needing to figure this out on their own to actually addressing it in teams, in meetings, in prep sessions to be more cohesive and have more of a shared experience. We can go from poor performance being impacted by this kind of unconscious avoidance of fear and being caught in the ego reactions and shifting more toward a relaxed, confident, and present type of performance. And obviously, going from a lack of psychological safety to naturally feeling more comfortable being wherever we are. So ultimately, as always, what I'm talking about is more presence at work and less isolation, less disconnection. There would be more connection, more purpose, because supporting our teammates would naturally be interwoven into our daily interactions, um, especially if we're empowering and training emotionally intelligent teams. And looking at these ego dynamics, especially this one, is going to free up and facilitate a lot of both inner support and external support. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on Egoless Leadership Training, please visit my website at www.egolessleaders.com. You'll find a host of offerings for both individuals as well as team and corporate trainings. If you have a question, please feel free to drop me a note at timothy at egolessleaders.com or leave a comment. Thank you and have an awesome day.